I'm Connor Reed with words to that effect. Stories of the fiction that shapes popular culture. Is there a world inside of the world? Headline, Chicago Daily Tribune, August 3rd, 1913. Can it be possible that down in the middle of the earth there's another earth? That a few hundred miles or so away, separated from us by ground and rock and vapour and such things, there's a great country inhabited by a great race? It's Marshall B. Gardner's belief that there's a big sun in the Earth's interior, that there are immense holes where the poles are supposed to be, and that the phenomenon of the aurora borealis and the aurora australis are the result of the interior sun shining out through the polar holes. This article from a US newspaper in 1913 seems a little fanciful, maybe. It is very unlikely that many readers were convinced by the theories that are then laid out in full in the rest of the article. But these ideas don't come out of nowhere. This article is actually one of many in a long tradition of hollow earth theory. By 1913, there was a very well-established set of ideas about what lay inside the earth. And it was far more exciting than, you know, iron and nickel. In 1692, the eminent English astronomer Edmund Halley, of Halley's Comet fame, has suggested that the Earth was made up of a number of rotating spheres nested inside each other. The theory was later disproved, but the idea of a hollow Earth, a possible location of a world within a world, was an idea far too fascinating to ever go away. It was the 19th century, though, when various theories emerged, some more scientific than others, most simply developed for the great opportunities they presented for fiction. The 19th century saw the firm establishment of professional science, and while fields like cartography, astronomy, geography, and geology were academic pursuits, they were also essential parts of trade and colonialism and military conquest. From a Western perspective, the world was becoming increasingly explored and mapped and conquered. Where was a writer to set a fantastical adventure? A science fiction story, to use a term which didn't quite exist yet. Well, if the surface of the Earth was increasingly less likely to contain enigmatic races of superhumans, strange and terrifying landscapes, or prehistoric megafauna, well, maybe they could be found inside the Earth. But how to get there? In the early 19th century, a US soldier named John Cleve Sims Jr. took up Halley's idea and ran with it. In April 1818, he published his Circular Number 1. I declare the Earth is hollow and habitable within, containing a number of solid concentric spheres, one within the other, and that it's open at the poles 12 or 16 degrees. I pledge my life in support of this truth, and I'm ready to explore the hollow, if the world will support and aid me in the undertaking. The world, alas, did not support and aid Sims in his undertaking, despite his best and persistent efforts. And he never managed to raise the funds for that polar expedition to find an opening to the inner world. He did, however, spark the imaginations of plenty of people, and these polar openings would come to be commonly referred to as Sims Holes. Two years later, Simsonia, a voyage of discovery by the pseudonymous Captain Adam Seaborn, set a utopia inside the hollow earth reached via a Sims hole. And pretty soon a whole host of authors were populating the interior of the earth with flora and fauna and interior suns and thriving civilizations. 
Journey to the Centre of the Earth. Jules Verne's famous 1864 novel did a lot to popularise the idea, then and subsequently, as it was translated into numerous languages, adapted into radio, television and film, right up to the present day. In this case, the Hollow Earth is reached via a volcano in Iceland, and the protagonists discover, among other things, various prehistoric creatures and a giant human herding some mastodons. They don't really find out much about this interior society, though, and it was left to other novelists to give a lot more detail in cataloguing the civilizations they found inside the Earth. And so, by the late 19th century, various tropes of the Hollow Earth tale had come together. The opening to the interior didn't have to be via the poles, but very often was. The Hollow Earth generally had an interior sun and tended to contain unknown plants, animals, and, of course, civilizations. And these were frequently utopian in nature, or societies at least with vastly superior technology to that on the surface. And there were plenty of stories. Mizora, Mary E. Bradley Lane's feminist utopia in 1880, James DeMille's A Strange Manuscript Found in a Copper Cylinder in 1888, or Irishman William R. Bradshaw's The Goddess of Atvatabar in 1892. In some cases, the result was the opening up of more beneficial links between the outer and inner world. In others, the society living in the inner world was a very real threat to humanity. Alien invasion in the decades before H.G. Wells first made this a science fiction trope with War of the Worlds. This is the case in a very influential novel by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. Bulwer-Lytton was a widely read and extremely successful author in the 19th century, although his novels are rarely read anymore, and he's probably most famous today as the guy who wrote that famous opening line, It was a dark and stormy night. His 1871 novel, The Coming Race, was another Hollow Earth tale about an advanced society living inside the Earth. They've developed a mystical power source called Vril, which gives them complete mastery over their world. And this advanced race, with their superior technology, is waiting until the time is right to conquer our world. The novel was hugely popular in its time, and Vril actually became a very well-known term, and lots of products popped up with Vril in their name. The only one still around today is Bovine Vril, or Bovril, that weird beef tea drink you may or may not have had. And so, the Hollow Earth tales continued. And then in January 1913, just before the article from the Chicago Daily Tribune we heard at the beginning, Edgar Bryce Burroughs, author of Tarzan of the Apes, sat down to start writing his series of novels set in a Hollow Earth, the world of Pellucidar. And the whole idea was popularised further by one of the best-selling popular authors of this period, I read the National Geographic a few weeks ago, and there was a headline, Earth's inner core is doing something weird. I read on, assuming it probably wasn't going to be detailing an interior world full of dinosaurs and prehistoric people. And yes, sadly, that is not what the article was about. But there are those who are still very much attached to this idea. I mean, there's a thriving society of flat earthers out there, so why not, I guess? There's a book on this topic, which I still haven't actually got around to reading, but it looks great. And it's a history of the Hollow Earth by an author, David Standish. I was looking at it on Amazon a while back, and I scrolled down to read some of the reviews. I'll give you a sample. Two stars. 
fans of the Hollow Earth theory would be better off trying a different book, written by a more open-minded, free-thinking author. Maybe one who's not connected to the establishment in any way. Five stars. Although the author must pretend that he does not believe that the Hollow Earth exists, this is the best survey of the importance of the Hollow Earth genre that I've ever found. Of course, he himself cannot admit that the Hollow Earth exists, as our civilization is still not ready for the knowledge. Two stars. Not a fan of the style. A bit too much negative bias. Would be better to let the reader decide rather than be led. And so I won't lead you. I'll let you decide about what lies beneath the surface of the Earth. Maybe the Earth is filled with iron and nickel with an inner and outer core. Or maybe Marshall B. Gardner was right all along, a few hundred miles or so away, separated from us by ground and rock and vapour. That's a great country. Either way, the Hollow Earth tale is an endlessly fascinating genre of fiction. So curl up in an armchair, grab a cup of Bovril, and have a read of the coming race. If you're listening to this episode, it means you're a patron of the show, and for that, I thank you. It really, really means a lot to know that there are people out there willing to support the show like this, so thank you. There will be another bonus episode soon. I have a few different topic ideas, I just need to choose one and get it recorded. Music in this episode was by 3Epcano, and you can get details of all the music on the WTT website. And that's it. Thanks for listening. I'll see you soon.